Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. While I was gone last week, just kind of started rumbling, this subject started rumbling around in me, so... Um, we're, we're going to be talking maybe maybe two weeks this week. I don't know that I can get through it all tonight. So we'll actually go into next week with this if we don't get finished tonight, which I plan not to get finished. Um, I know me and my rabbit trails. So, uh, so we'll just go from there. But tonight we're going to start a couple of weeks of talking about ministry of helps. Hallelujah. You know, some people look at that kind of as one of those subjects like, oh, you're going to talk about money, tithing, ugh. Then you get back here and start talking about ministry of helps, and some people go, oh, you know, but the ministry of helps is a wonderful thing. Um, we are all called into the ministry of helps, including Jesus himself. If you go over to the, uh, the New Testament, you'll find several places where Jesus talked about the fact that he was here to do the will of his Father. He was here to do God's work. And he's helping the father get a job done. And so today when I was looking at a, a couple of different passages, you know, where, it, where Jesus was talking about doing the will of his father, um, I'm thinking to myself, in fact, is there was one place, uh, it's John 4:34. Um, turn over there with me real quick. John 4 and verse 34. Hallelujah. It said, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He's saying basically that, that my whole job, my reason for living, my nourishment, the thing that makes me whole is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, some other translations use the word complete, accomplish, finish, the Amplified says, to accomplish and completely finish his work. So as I was looking at that, I thought, hmm, to accomplish and completely finish his work. What in the world are we talking about? And I thought, you know, it suddenly came to me. Jesus came to completely finish the work of God. What was his work? His work was to restore mankind to the place where he originally intended him to be. That was the work Jesus came to do. And when Jesus left here, he gave that work to you and me. He did his part, and now together with his help, we're going to complete and finish the work of the Father, the one who sent him. And see, Jesus can't do that without you and me. I mean, you are his hands. You are his feet. You are his voice, you're his ears, you're his hands, you're everything that is necessary to complete and finish the work here on this earth. It cannot be done without you. You know, and I go back to Matthew where, where Jesus said, take my yoke, my, because my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. And I know I've said this before in times past, but that word yoke, so many times we look at it as, as something that is um, a punishment, a yoke. You know, somebody put it in a yoke as a punishment kind of thing. But there is another application of the word yoke. The, the application that I'm talking about of the word yoke is to, is to put two people together in union to accomplish a task. When you yoke two oxen together, their, their common goal is to plow a field. See, that's what Jesus wants us to understand is that when we put ourselves in the yoke, in the harness with him, our common goal is what he has in mind. It's for us to get into a place where we are there to help him do his work. He's there to help us do Ezra, do, do all the, the other work that needs to be done. And if you go over into, into John uh, 14 where, the talk, where Jesus talks about the comforter, the comforter. You know, and we know that as the intercessor, the helper, the standby, you know, all those aspects. But the Greek word paraclete means literally one who is called alongside to help. Well, listen, if he was called to do, he wouldn't need you. If he was called to do the doing, he wouldn't be here to be the helper. He's here to help you and me do what Jesus has left us to do. It is a partnership. Everything that God has, has got going on in this earth is a partnership. He has done his part. Jesus went, came to this earth. He exhibited God the Father. He exhibited God's will for man. He exhibited God's plan for man. He demonstrated everywhere he went. Jesus went about doing good and healing all. And, and see, that's what he left us to do. He's left us to do some of that doing good and going about doing good. And he gave us the Holy Spirit as the one to help us. He is our helper. And so many, so often, so many times we will look at him as a helper just, just on a personal level. And that's true. That's a valid statement is that he is here to be my personal helper, my personal comforter, my personal intercessor, my personal standby, my personal advocate. But he is also here to help me help Jesus complete and finish the work that the Father sent him to do. That is called the ministry of helps. When you start looking at the ministry of helps, from that standpoint, we should come to a different understanding and a different attitude about what that means. When you say ministry, oh, you just want me to work. You just want me to work. Yes, God wants you to work. Jesus wants you to work in the ministry with him. We all have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. There are no big I's, little U's, no captains, no generals, no peons, no nothing. We are all called, equally called. We have the same giftings, the same calling to be ministers of reconciliation. All of us, we're all called into that. It's not an option as to whether you share 
the gospel with, with people. That's what you're here for. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You know, we have been, we have been sent here as, and, and placed here, left here as representatives of the kingdom of God, given a responsibility, given a job. And that, in a general sense, is called the ministry of reconciliation. And we all have that responsibility, not just one or two. It's just not left up to ministry people. It's not just left up to people who've got a, you know, got a real outgoing personality or got an evangelistic call on their life or, you know, have a passion for this. Or have, We should all have a passion. We should all have a passion to see the kingdom of God expanded in this person's life that he's put into my path, to see the kingdom of God expanded into this person's life who's in my family. See, see the, the kingdom of God expanded into this person who happens to work with me. To see the kingdom of God expanding into this lady who's, who's ringing up my groceries or whatever. You know, we should all have a passion for that. That really is what should be in your heart. Once you're born, the, if the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, then the love of God is there to be shared. It's there to be to be to be, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, put into somebody else. I mean, I just leave it at that. It's there to be put into somebody else. There is, there's so much life that's on the inside of us that as we give and we, and we, and we let people to partake of that life that we have, it doesn't diminish us one bit. It expands us. It really does. When you, when you get to a place where you, you're comfortable sharing, just and you know what? You don't have to share you know, some big Bible verse or some big Bible revelation. The, one of the best things you can do as a minister of reconciliation is to share your testimony. Just say, this is what God has done for me. People don't need to know Bible and verse. They don't need to know where this is found or that's found. They need to know that God sent his son here because he loved them enough to send them and that you love them enough to share that information with them, that you are an example of the love of God that has been shed abroad. And see, people can't argue with the fact that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has made a difference in your life, that he's changed the course of your life, that he's changed your destiny, he's changing you every single day, that he's made such a huge difference in your life, that he blesses you in day after day after day. You know, the Bible says that we should not forget all of his benefits, that he daily loads us up with benefits. Those benefits are to be enjoyed, but let me tell you, those benefits are also to be talked about. And as a minister of reconciliation, you can talk about the benefits that you enjoy every single day, the things that God does for you every single big, small, medium-sized blessings, whatever they are. You know, sometimes it's just the little things. When you share some with somebody of some little something that God has done for you, that you know that that was God. I mean, you don't know what an impact some little something makes for some people. Some might, might come along and, and, and they, can only be, they can only be touched. They can only be uh, their attention grabbed by something large.
But there's just as many people whose attention can be grabbed by something that would seemingly be insignificant when they understand that God cares so much about you as his child that he's interested in the insignificant things of life. And so we need to, we're in the ministry of helps with Jesus when we do that. I mean, we're called alongside him to complete the work of the Father. God never intended for anybody to go to hell. And see, that's what he's trying to accomplish in this, in this earth now, is he wants you and me to be such ministers of that reconciliation that as few as possible, the number of people will see hell. As few as possible. To leave, as, to leave as few as, as, as we can possibly leave in the hands of the enemy and to see their lives destroyed for an eternity. It's not just here. It's not just now. But it's an eternal thing that we should be looking at. When we, can, when we stop and we consider the ministry of helps and, and, its, and its vastness and what it means, there's an eternal equation going on. It's not just whether you got here and served, you know, on the usher team or the greeter team. There's more to it than that. That's part of it. But there is so much more. And, and God's looking for people to step up into the ministry of helps. And that is certainly the biggest one I can think of, is to be ready at the drop of a hat to step into that role as a minister of reconciliation everywhere you go in every atmosphere you find yourself in, to be that light everywhere you go. And, you know, I was talking to a, a lady that I met last week who's a, who's a missionary. I mean, she is, she is in her 60s. She goes places that nobody goes, does things that everybody says can't be done. Uh, and she's just a little unassuming person. You would look at her and go, oh, she's somebody's grandma. But I am telling you what, she has taken such light. into. She's been in 154 countries. She's gone into places where they said, ah, that's too dangerous, you can't go there. And she said, if the Lord tells me, I'm going. She said, if he tells me to go, I know there's protection for me. Of course, now all that kind of is depending on whether you know how to hear God or not. You know, if you know God's telling you to go, then you go. And she said, when I go, I know I'm fine. I don't care what happens. I know I'm fine. She's gone. She goes to places where the, the, the church has to be underground, where she has to be careful about what she says and, and all this. Kind of, and, and she just, I mean, you should hear some of the stories. My goodness, they're just absolutely amazing. See, God doesn't give you a pass just because you're over 60. Mm -hmm. Just because you've reached retirement age doesn't mean he's retired. And doesn't mean he's retired you. We don't, we don't retire from the ministry of reconciliation until we set foot in heaven because the job won't be done. There, there, the job has to go on. The, you know, the work has to continue, and he wants us to continue it as long as you have breath in your body. There are plenty of stories of people who on their, on, their, on their deathbed, as they're breathing their last words, something happens that impacts the people who are caring for them. 
in such a way that they give their hearts to the Lord. Their last breath was a testimony of the goodness of God. And so, see, God doesn't, God, he, he's, not giving you, he's not giving you an out. Oh, I, I've served my time. I've done my time. You know, that's what I feel about, about, about being a mom sometimes. I served my time. I'm not raising any more babies. No, I, I did that already. I'm, not, I'm done with that. You are never done with what God has called you to do. You are never done. You will forever and always be in the ministry of helps until you are in heaven. We use a lot of excuses why we don't do, do that. None of them are valid. None of them are valid. Now, I appreciate what Mark was saying a few minutes ago about his, his extra five, five minutes, what he can get done. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm so much like that sometimes. I just think, okay, get one more thing before I go out the door. Or, or I'm so focused on what I'm headed to do that I've just got blinders on and I don't see something that's going on around me and I miss opportunities that God would otherwise say, why don't you just stop and do so-and-so? Why, why, why don't you just do this? You know, and I miss them because I just, you know, I'm just so focused on me and my things and what my list is and all this kind of stuff. But we've got to get past that. I love that, Mark. He leads me. Well, he's going to lead you if you give him the opportunity to lead, lead you. So, you know, that's where the ministry of help starts. It is Jesus himself who has ordained you, so to speak, into the ministry of helps. If you want to look at it that way, you are called. If you are born again, you are called into the ministry of helps. You know, we see the ministry of helps in action in the Old Testament even. In Exodus 17, you see where Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands. He, he was trying to do so much by himself, one man, and yet he needed help. And so here's Aaron and her holding up his hands. You know, that's, that's really a good um, analogy of what we do now. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. That's what we're here to do is hold up the hands of the person that we're under in this life, spiritually speaking. The one who is the head. Um, we see Aaron and Herod holding up Moses' hands in Numbers 11. You know, Moses realized he was not able, finally realizing his father-in-law Jethro had to come to him and say, you cannot keep doing this. You cannot do this all by yourself. See, I, I have a tendency sometimes to, to think, I, you know, I can do all this, I can do all this. And the problem here that I find myself in is, number one, sometimes it's more than I can do. And number two, I was reminded of this last week, was that I am denying somebody else the opportunity to help me. You know, Jethro, Jethro came to Moses and said, Fella, you, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What? You can't keep doing this. You, can, you cannot do all this by yourself. So here's what we're going to do. And so they got, they got together 70 men who would help and spread out the workload. You know, there are some things that, that just that need help. There, there are times when a person, people like me, you know, want to do it all. And sometimes it works really well. And sometimes it doesn't get done as well as it should because one person's trying to do it all. 
And they found that in Moses. Moses heeded his father-in-law's advice. You know, and it just, it just works better that way. It really does. Um, after Moses you know, got the children of Israel out, he put the priesthood into place. And in the priesthood, the, the tribe of Levi was where the priests came from. But the tribe of Levi, there was, there was different levels of priests. There was different levels of service in, 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 within that tribe. You know, there's different levels of service for all of us. You know, but we're all serving somebody. We're all serving under someone everywhere. Even pastors serve under the direction of the Lord Jesus himself. But we're all serving under somebody. You know, in uh, 1 Samuel 3, you know, Hannah had prayed for a, for a son, and God gave it to him. And what did she do? She gave him back to the Lord. And as a child, he learned to serve. I love that. As a child, he learned to serve. You know, as parents who are born again, we should be careful and cognizant of teaching our children what it means to serve. Amen? What it means to serve. Uh, you know, I just, I just see sometimes, you know, we're, there's, there's, there's so much in our, in our walk with God and so much in, the, in, our, in our lives that we live that are taught by precept and example. And children need to see parents who are serving others in a lot of different ways. It may not necessarily be all in church. It shouldn't be all in church. But people who are generous inside and outside the church, who are givers inside and outside the church, who give of their time, their talent, their abilities, their resources, all of those things. You know, I'm reminded of, of a scripture that says that nobody's given up houses and lands and all this kind of stuff, you know, to serve it. And I'm thinking, you know, how do you, how do you give up houses and lands? You know, how you give them is that you make them available to other people to bless them. You know, I see, I see uh, people in this church who have a heart of hospitality, and they open up their homes, you know, for teenagers to come and all the time, for singles to show up all the time. You know, I mean, I think at the Morgan's house, you know, it's a revolving door. When they used to have a, have a, a code to get in their house, everybody knew the code. They just came in, punched in, and helped them set, walked right on in. The singles are so used to being over there that they just go to the refrigerator, sounds like, automatically, what's in here? You know, they make themselves at home. But here you have a family who's made their home so available. They've given up houses and lands. They've, they've given themselves. That's, that's like, that's like a, there's a gifting for that. There's a gracing for that. But all of us should have that kind of a grace and that kind of ability to some extent. And our children, as they grow up, need to see that. They need to see what it's like to consider others, to give to others, to serve others, to put others ahead of themselves instead of just everything's all about, all about me and mine and, and whatever. You know, you can, you can live one way in church. You can, you can be in five different departments in church, but your children need to see you doing that same kind of stuff outside of church. They need to see that it's not confined to the walls of this building, 
but it is way beyond that, that it's a lifestyle of serving other people. You know, and you, and you see it, you know, you see children. You know, I mean, I love the fact that right now, the last couple of years, you know, the children like over in Faith Island have been making things, you know, for some of our, for some of our older adults. You know, at Christmas time, they're learning to give. That's, that's teaching them to serve. I don't want kids growing up in church thinking that, oh, I want to go help in the nursery just to get out of service. That's not the motivation that I want to put in, in these kids. You know, we've got a batch of kids that, that have just moved up, you know, from uh, the lighthouse in Showtime area into youth, and some of them now are interested in serving in some areas. I don't want them doing that just because, because oh, I would get out of church. That's not what it's about. The, what it's about is a heart to serve, a heart to be a blessing, a heart to say, I want to give back here. I want to be a blessing to my church. I want to be a blessing to my family. I want to be a blessing to this department. I want to be a blessing to this child. There, there's where it really is. You know, and so Samuel learned to serve Eli as a child. And it stood him in good stead as he grew, and God promoted him, and then God made him the main prophet in the land. It, it served him well, because the principle is the same Old Testament or New Testament. A man who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And no man's going to get something added to him until he's faithful in what belongs to another man. There's principles in that. You know, you don't go in the army and get to be made general right away. You don't even get to go in the army and be made captain right away. You can't even be sergeant right away. You start off as private. That's where you start. That's where everybody starts, private. And you work your way up. See, there's, there's an order to the, how God does things. And, and so we, we start with the small things. Sometimes we start with things that nobody knows about, nobody ever sees, but God sees them. God himself is the one who's taking note of what you do. You know, there are, there are people who come down here and do things that you don't have any idea that they do, who just come and just do it. You know, sometimes I know it, sometimes maybe I don't know about it. But God does. And he's the most important person that needs to know. But they're, they're demonstrating a heart to serve. They're demonstrating a willingness to be a blessing in the help, ministry of helps. Uh, then you go on and you see over in 1 Samuel where David served Saul. And it was not always easy to serve Saul. I mean... How would you like the person you're serving to throw a javelin at you? How would you? Well, you know, okay. Somebody throw something at you, okay. Maybe you have a boss like that. You know, even in the workforce, you know, if you're working for somebody, you're essentially serving that person. And sometimes maybe it's not always easy. But if you keep your heart right, and like Zach has talked about in the past, he, he came to the place where he was being very dishonorable to his superiors. And it was costing him. And when he got arrested by the Holy Spirit and said, uh, that's not a good thing, and he changed his attitude, 
and repented. Even God, now, this won't always happen, but God had him go, go and tell that to his, to his boss, that he was sorry, that he had had a bad attitude, even though she didn't even know anything about it. And yet, because he did that, he changed his heart, he changed his attitude, and did what God told him to do, he's been promoted. There's honor in that. Well, you know, your boss at work may be an unreasonable person. Kendra, do not say amen. <laughs> you know, but they're still, you're, you're serving them. You're serving under them. And you should keep that attitude. That you're, they're, they're, but they, they're, just, they're just my boss. I mean, you know, they don't pay my, they don't, they don't, write, they don't sign my paycheck. Well, maybe they don't, but they're, they, they're who has been put in charge of you on that job. And that deserves honor. David honored Saul when there was no reason to honor him, naturally speaking. The man tried to kill him over and over and over and over and over again. And yet he still honored him. When he had an opportunity to kill him in the cave, and his men were, were very happy to encourage David, let's just, let's just take him out now. He went, no, 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 you're not going to touch God's anointed. See, he honored the place that he held, not necessarily the man, but the place that he held. And in, and in the ministry of helps, you have to keep that in perspective, that you're, you're honoring the place that somebody holds Maybe not necessarily the person, but the place that they hold, what, where God has put them. And David did that. He had a great respect for the king and the office that he held. If you go over to 1 Kings 19, let's go over there. Hallelujah. 1 Kings 19. The story of Elijah and Elisha, you know, when you, when you talk about Elisha, just it automatically comes into our minds, Elisha, you know, his, his servant, the, the man who went with him everywhere. In, in, this, in this chapter, you'll find in, uh, let's see, chapter 19, verses 19, I'm on the wrong page, 19. Um, chapter 19, verse 19, it's, it's talking about Elijah. He said, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them to the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Listen, Elijah threw his mantle on him. He recognized Elijah as the prophet of God. Elijah throws his mantle on him. And I suppose that he recognized that, that Elijah was saying, why don't you come with me? And it goes on here where he obviously recognized that. But he says, can I, can I go kiss my father and my mother? Can, can, can I do that? And what it says here, when Elijah looked at him and said, go back again for what have I done to thee? What he was basically saying to him, because I looked this up in a couple other translations, and he was basically say, saying, you just need to settle this for yourself. You need to make a choice, a quality decision, 
of what you're going to do. You're going to stay with a natural life, you're going to stay with it, or you're going to come to the place that God's called you to. By throwing his mantle on Elisha, he was signifying that God was calling him to something. And when he was like, well, well, let me go do this. Listen, there has to be a place in our lives where it's not just a, oh, oh Lord, can I do this? Can I do this? It has to be, a, we have to come to a place in our lives where we make a quality decision to serve him regardless of whether we know what the future holds or what it doesn't hold. He had no idea at that point that he was going to follow in Elijah's footsteps and that he was going to have twice as many miracles, that he was going to have twice the anointing on him, that he was going to be, that he was going to be in the position he was going to wind up at. But he, here's where he started. Here is where he started. He had to make a choice without qualification, without hesitation, without strings, without demands, without boundaries. Listen, when we say yes to Jesus, we should look at him and say, Father, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm taking him as, as my Lord and Savior. My life is now yours because, you know, our life is not our own. The Bible clearly tells us our life is not our own, that we were bought with a price. And when we say yes to God, we say yes to the Lord Jesus, and we invite him into our hearts and say, I give you my all, we really need to do that. Without question, well, I'll follow you as long as I don't have to do this. I'll follow you as long as I don't have to do that. Well, where are we, what, 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 what am I going to do now? What is about this? What about that? What about that? Just without qualification, without hesitation, just being ready, a mindset that says I'm ready no matter what he ever asks me to do, wherever he leads me, wherever he sends me, I will do whatever he asks me to do. Not looking toward anything, not looking toward any kind of adoration, not to, looking toward any kind of thanks, not looking toward any kind of men's applause, not looking toward anything except pleasing the Father and doing his will, doing his work. And see, that's where, that's where Elisha had to do. He had, he had to make a decision right then, a quality decision. And it says he, he turned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slew them. He got rid of his past and what his past job was, what his past, where he, where he was headed, the future that he, he was, he was on a future of a farmer. He, he, that, he, by destroying his oxen, he said he, he's finished with all that. He was going to follow what God had for him. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to burn anything. You don't have to slay anything. But you, you have to get to a place where you're ready to leave the old life behind, the old way of thinking behind, and take on something new if you're going to serve God the way he wants you to serve him. And listen, it's always for the best. It's always for the best. No matter what plans in life you thought you had, Having God's plan for your life and following him, serving him, just doing what he leads you to do, it's got so many more rewards and so much more satisfaction in it than what you would ever have doing it your own way. Many is the time that I've, you know, I've seen young, young people come out of high school and go into college thinking that they were going to be doing this or that or the other. And somewhere along the line, God changed their plans and said, no, I've got something else for you. Some people listened to that. Some didn't. But I tell you, the ones who do never regret it. 
though it gets hard at times, maybe it doesn't seem easy, in the end when all is said and done, I don't know of anybody who's ever said they regretted following God's plan for their life. Never. Hallelujah. There was no way Elisha was going to know he was going to have the double portion, but he served Elijah. He did anything that needed to be done. He stuck that with that decision throughout the years. I, I was looking at this, and then I went over to uh, it's 2 Kings chapter 2. Hold your finger back there in 1 Kings, but 2 Kings chapter 2. Okay, and back if you go back to, to 1 Kings 19, you know, and he, he said in verse 20, he said, can I, can I go back and kiss my mother and my father? That pretty much implies to me that he was a young man because he didn't say anything about a wife. He didn't say anything about children. He just said, my mother and my father. You know, and as there's a lot of times in, you know, in those days, they married fairly young. So, I mean, I'm assuming just from this that he was a fairly young man when Elijah threw that mantle on him. But when you go over to 2 Kings chapter 2, and if you go back, if you go down into verse 23, this is after Elijah had been taken up, you hear these little children mocking him. Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. Well, we went from a young man in 1 Kings 19. Now they're calling him, teasing him about his bald head in 2 Kings 2. Seems to me that that bald head means that he's gotten a lot older. So how many years had he served Elijah? I don't know. He had served him, obviously, a lot of years. And yet he did it gladly, obviously. He did it with great joy. He did it faithfully. He did it diligently. And here he is, an old man, before he steps into his ultimate destiny. You know, when God puts you on a path and he, and he puts you in a particular place to begin to serve, you don't know where that path is going to lead you. And you don't know how long it's going to take you to get to the ultimate place that God intends for you. But what you do have to know is to serve faithfully and diligently until you get there. All the way through. Don't slack up. You know, in, uh, if you back up here, we're over in 2 Kings 2 now. If you back up here to the very first part of the chapter, um, verse 2, Elijah said unto Elisha, Stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. Even when he tells him you can, you can stay here, he goes, Nope, nope, I'm going with you. I'm going. That's how attached he was to the, to the place that God had put him in serving. Nope, I'm not going to leave you. Maybe Elijah just wanted to see, you know, if, if he was tired. If he was, oh, I want a break from this guy. I've served him all the time. I mean, you know, come on, you know, give me, give me a day off. But no, he said, no, no. As, as the Lord lives, as my soul lives, I will not leave you. Um, and so they went down. Another, you see in another verse, in, chapter, in verse 3, the sons of the prophets that were Bethel came forth to Elisha and said to him, do you not know the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, yeah, I know it. So be quiet. Hold you. Well, my Bible says, hold your peace, but that's basically hush. And Elijah said unto, unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. 
And again, he said, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, don't you know your master's going to be taken from you today? And he's, I, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. He said, as, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. You know, he had three opportunities to leave. Nope, I'm not going anywhere. You know, there are times when, when you just have to make a decision. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. There'll be plenty of times when the enemy is going to come to you and say, you need to go do this, you need to go do that, you need to da-da-da. You, you need to be ready to stand your ground and say, I'm not going anywhere. This is where God's put me. This is where I stay. I'm not going anywhere. The person who doesn't go anywhere won't miss anything. The person who stays put will finally get everything God said to them. You know, I, I, I know we've, we've told you guys all this before, but uh, one night, and I think it was, I don't know what month it was, was it like August of 19, we can never figure out what year that it was, 1991, 92, we were at the Jacksons for Dad Hagen's birthday. And, and, and we've told you the story about how we were at this birthday party for him at the end of a, um, a seminar he had done for ministers and had stayed over for this party. And everything was great, you know, was, you know and people were leaving and there were not many people left. And, and Dad Haig is sitting at the, at the table in the kitchen and just talking. And then, and then he starts talking about the spirit of death. Now, there's probably between the people who were there serving and the, and the ministers that were still there, there probably wasn't more than about 20 people left. And so somebody said, come to the kitchen quick. Dad Hagen's talking about death. And so we all crowded in there, and we began to leave. And just some, some wonderful things happened, you know, in that kitchen that night. And Dad Hagen began to pray and to prophesy, and things just came out. And, you know, it was just, it was marvelous, you know. And, and so, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, we're finally leaving to go back to our hotel. And as we're coming back to our hotel some of the people who had left, some of, the, some of the traveling guys who had to make an early plane to go to their next meeting were coming out of the hotel, and they'd stop, and they looked at us and said, where have you been? Where have you been? And we're going, oh, you shouldn't have left. You shouldn't have left. I mean, you missed something special. And they go, oh. So here it is. Don't ever leave where God puts you. Till the prophet leaves, then you can go. When the prophet's done, you can go home. But don't leave until then. Many times I see people leave a service, especially when we have guests. If it's run long or something, they leave. Well, it's, i got to get up in the morning. Do you know what you might miss? Do you, do you have any idea what you might miss? Listen, I've been in services before where the service was dismissed and nobody wanted to go. And so we just stayed, and the whole thing just kind of revved up again. And it got so good. I mean, why would you want to miss that? Why? So you need, you need to have, a, have an attitude. I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving until the fat lady sings. You know, and if she keeps, and if she don't, and if she keeps singing, I'm staying. You know, and if she, and if she stops and she revs up again, I'm going to stay. You know, we just, we just need to do that. We just need, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my position. I'm not leaving the place. I'm not leaving the service. I'm not leaving until God has finished what he's going to do. And see, Elisha, was determined he wasn't leaving. He had three opportunities to leave, and he kept saying, no, I ain't leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Too often people are ready to take, take a run because, 
oh, I'm tired, whatever. You know, and it, verse 9, it says, It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away. It's the first time he's acknowledged to Elisha that he's going to be leaving. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said back to him, he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be unto you. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, Elijah had reason at that point to know that Elisha wasn't going anywhere. He's already had three opportunities to leave. But now that he's told him what's about to happen, you know, he's giving him one more, he's giving him one more opening here. Uh, if, if you see me when I'm going, you'll have what you want. But if not, well, it won't happen. I think he had a confidence in Elisha. He wasn't going anywhere. This guy was going to get what he asked for because he had been persistent, diligent, and faithful all the way up until this point. And he was going to, he could count on him to be continually that way after that. And so, yep, it's exactly what he did. He saw him go. He got a double portion, but you know, I think that double portion was the reward in some ways of his willingness to serve from young man to old man. He was willing to serve the one God had connected him to. And because of that, God blessed him. I mean, and we know him today as, as a wonderful prophet. I mean, we go back and we see the fact that he had twice as many miracles in his ministry as Elijah did. And that comes from just doing what you're supposed to do. I wrote here in my notes, you are operating in the supernatural ministry of helps. You are as anointed as any prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, or teacher when you understand where God has placed you and you fulfill it to the best of your ability. The anointing is the same. The reward is the same. You know, we look at some, at some of our, our, our things that go on around here. It's just, well, that's just ushering. It's not just ushering. There's an anointing on people to usher. There's an anointing on people to serve back there in the video booth. There's an anointing, a video, audio booth, both of those places. There, no matter what you do in the local church, there is an anointing on it. But sometimes people don't recognize it. They don't appreciate the fact that they could be operating in the anointing. And so when they don't, it becomes burdensome to them. It becomes drudgery. It becomes, oh, I have to serve in the nursery again. That's never what God intended for it to be. Never. You know, and so what we find is, is ourselves in a place that, that we need to recognize any time that we serve anywhere doing anything, that there's an anointing and a blessing attached to it. The ministry of help should not be something that we look at it as, as oh, okay, here they go again. It should be like, okay, what can I do? Some people look at, what can I add? 
I'm going, I remember telling several people over the years, uh, don't you think you're already serving in three departments? That's enough. You know, they're, they're let, you know, sometimes I've even said, give somebody else a chance here. Don't just jump in there and do it. I mean, give somebody else an opportunity to, to, to step up and, and take this, this position. I, I haven't said that as often as I really would like to have, to have been able to say that because there's not that many people who do that. But God is, God is calling us all to be a part of this local church, to, be a, to help in the local church. Now, it's 8.38. Do I want to go on? Do I want to stop? Um, well, we'll just go on a little way. Everybody is capable of being in the Ministry of Helps. And the Ministry of Helps covers such a vast territory. You know, we kind of break it down into, into all the jobs that we see. Usher, greeter, teacher, helper, bookstore, cafe, uh, youth, you know, all these different... We, 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 we try to always kind of put it in a, into, a, into a, a place where we can put an actual name on it. But, you know, we're all in the ministry of helps every time we come to church. The service is what we all jointly make of it. We're in the ministry of helps when we, as soon as we walk in the door. We can either make or break the success of any service. He's called us all together in one place, in one body. But he's set us in places as it pleased him. There are, there are things that he has, he's done you know, that, that he's set us in places that, that he wants us to be. But he also wants us to have a heart to serve no matter what the position is. No matter what. How many times over the years have we seen somebody who wants, I want to do this, but I don't want to do that. Well, my opinion is, as long, if, you, if you're going to categorize this and say, I'll do this, but I don't want to do that, it's not a good place to be. You know, I've served every, in every place in this church that you could possibly serve. I can't tell, I tell Curtis all the time, I'd, I'd make the best usher you've ever had. I'd be a good usher. But I've, I've cleaned the church. I've mowed the grass. I've, I've served in, in almost every, every capacity there is where children is concerned. When we started this church, I had kids from age 4 to 12 in one room. That was a real trick. Of course, thank God there wasn't many of them. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I did. Yeah, and so, so over the years, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been in every, every kind of department, every kind of capacity that there is. And there's a grace when, when there's a need and you see a need and, you're, and your heart is to help. There's a grace for you to do that, even though that may not be the ultimate place that, that you really want to be necessarily. But if you're just willing to do it, God will grace you to do it until the person who is, who is really anointed to do it gets there. There's, there's, a, there's a certain amount of anointing that will come on there in that, in that gracing while you're doing it. And it's amazing sometimes that a place that you find yourself serving in just to fill a need becomes a passion for you. Oh, I was just going to do this, just but I found out I love it. I absolutely love it. Would never have done this before. Would never even considered this before, but I just love this. I like hearing that because there are so many times that we, we have our own ideas about where we could best be used, and God thinks 
there's more in you than what you know. He knows that there's, there's more capabilities, there's more giftings on the inside of you than what you have pulled out of you just yet. And he's wanting to pull some out of you. And so when we give ourselves to serving wherever the need might be, then he's able to pull some of those things out of you. Uh, a, very, a very good gentleman that I know of, you know, was on staff at a church and a particular need came up in a, in a department. He really didn't know a thing about it. It was, it was in, in editing and filming and, and putting together videos and stuff. And he just gave himself to it. He just, he just saw a need. He said, I'll do that. Do you know what, how to do it? No, I don't know how to, but I'll, I'll, I'll learn. And he gave himself to learn how that worked, how to do it, how to accomplish the task. And today he does a fantastic, I mean, he just, he just opened up a whole world of gifts that God had given him that he didn't know was there. You know, you can give yourself to, to something so wholeheartedly that God, will, again, will pull things out of you. You don't have any idea that's in, that can be a tremendous help to the body. There are things around here that we would love to do, would love to do more of, but we don't have we don't have somebody who stepped up to do those kind of things, you know. And and um, you know, people will always ask you, "Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that?" Well, I don't have enough, I don't have anybody to fill that position. Don't have anybody who who's volunteered talent in that position. Nobody who said, "Pastor, I see I see where you know we we could do this." If if you'd like to if you'd like for somebody to do that, I'm willing to learn. If you're willing to let me learn while I'm doing this, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give it a try. That'd be great. You know, so, you know, just, just understand that, that you do have a place. You do have a place. And generally speaking, well, I'll go back to that for a minute. When we walk in, we all have a role to play. It's called the Ministry of Helps. You just sitting in that seat, you are in, you are in a Ministry of Helps position just sitting where you are. It makes a difference that you're out there pulling on the person who's in the pulpit to draw out of them what God has put in them to get to you. I've seen pastor preach the same message here and in some place else, and I can tell the difference when one place draws more than another place does. The same message. Same one. You have a job. And I just want to encourage you when you come in. As soon as you come in, I'm in the ministry of helps. My name may not be on the schedule, but I'm on God's schedule. And he has said that when I come in, that it's important for me to participate and to pull on whoever's the speaker. Because he's got something for us as a body. See, and the whole thing, when you're here, the whole point is to bless the body. Not just bless me, bless the body. And so my job when I come in, I, even though I'm not scheduled in any particular place, my job when I come in here and when I sit down is to participate in every part of the service with all that I can. To give myself fully and completely to every single place. Don't zone out during the announcements. Don't zone out during the offering. Don't zone out during praise and worship. Don't zone out during the invitation. 
People do that. You know, what, what, what am I supposed to do in the invitation? Just, just, just be still and be quiet and keep my eyes closed? No, you're supposed to be praying. You're supposed to be praying so that God can move on the hearts of people who need to respond to whatever the invitation is that's going forth. There, there is a ministry of help's position for you to fill at every point of every service. That's why we, when we walk through the doors, our mind should just shut out everything else. Just leave it outside for the duration of the service so that God can fully and completely finish the work he wants for this service until we say good night. So with that, I will say good night. Thank you. Um, this is really a much more important subject than you know. It really is. Not just for the benefit of your pastors, but for your fellow churchgoers here, for your brothers and sisters here, and ultimately for, for anybody who is here. Um, it's really important. It really is. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.